Now it's possible, I can't say it's a guarantee, it's far from a guarantee, but it's possible that in the future medical technology will advance enough so that you can bring people back from that cryopreservation so that they can then live on at a time when the cancer that killed them in the first place is curable. Just like in the past, we died due to infectious diseases. Now you take antibiotics. Just like in the past, when your heart stopped in the 1960s, people said, okay, that's it. Now it's medical malpractice. You can bring people back from what people in the past would have called, well, they're dead forever. Just like how we would say right now, once someone is cryopreserved, right, they're dead forever. That might not at some point be the case anymore. Welcome to the Mr. Rat Show, where I talk to the most interesting global personalities about the future of humanity. Hello, beautiful humans. So this one is gonna go a bit different to how I recorded my previous episodes. I'm recording this one live from Berlin and with over 40 people attending this live conversation. I'm very thankful with our sponsors today that made the release party of the Mr. Rat Show unforgettable. I want to start with thanking Mindspace in Kudam for hosting us in their beautiful location. I also want to thank Something and Nothing. These guys have the perfect drinks for all the curious people out there, and they certainly match our show 100%. I'm also very grateful with Mountain's Goat from Austria. They provided us with their refreshing tonic with a touch of cannabis and lemon. It was delicious. And of course, I also want to thank the one and only Mond Hügel, a self-produced spirits brand from Kreuzberg, Berlin. And by the way, these guys are opening a new bar in that city very soon. So if you're around Berlin, make sure you go and check them out. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest today. I normally do these shows on Twitter. They're also live, but they're online. They're not offline. They're not in real life. So it's a bit different today, but I'm going to try to wing it. And today I have Emil Kenziora with me. He's a doctor. He's a medical doctor. He is the founder of Tomorrow Biostasis. And he's the chairman of the European Biostasis Foundation. He also has a lot of experience doing cancer research before starting what he's doing now. And what he's doing now, which is something that he's being or he wants to dedicate himself for the next decades is advancing biostasis and crypto or crypto medicine uh, sorry not crypto cryo it's all the crypto is all over the place but crypto you can also call it crypto right yeah you, you could i don't know okay. well maybe you could <laughs> but anyway i want to give the word to emil emil how did we get here how wh what what on earth happens what on earth goes through your head when someone says, I want to freeze my body? Why, why the heck would someone want to do that? Well, I would say great, great plan. <laughs> no, listen. Um, first, I would like, no. So, so um, maybe to briefly introduce what, what cryopreservation even is and what we do, right? Please. Of course, freezing your body, that's always the kind of, if I talk to journalists, that's the, the headline I need to deal with. <laughs> but we do a lot to not freeze anything. It's basically, it's basically, from a fundamental idea, it's the same what you might know from science fiction movies, right? You know, if you go to another star and then you go into these capsules and then sometimes they malfunction because, of course, movies are always more interesting if there's a bit dystopian. Um, this, this process of basically 
if you want to if you want to not age for a very long time, you go into these cryo capsules and then you know, the smoke comes and then you wake up at the same age, I don't know, a thousand light years yeah, at another star. And so, so I studied medicine and went into cancer research, even though I didn't practice much as a, as a doctor. I went into that space to go into the, what would be now called the longevity space. This idea that at some point in the future, just like in the past, people died at the age of 40, right? And everybody felt like, hey, 40 is fine. Now everybody would say 40, way before their time, tragedy, right? Whereas everybody now says at 85, well, still, of course, sad for the family and so on, but everybody kind of accepts it. In my mind, and this is why I studied medicine and did all what I did after, um, how long someone should, uh, how, how long sh someone lives should be their choice, right? And so if I, if I would be diagnosed with cancer tomorrow, basically I have two options. I can either be cremated, well, assuming it's like incurable cancer and this is the cancers that I work for. There are luckily some cancers right now that are to a degree curable, at least have good five or 10 year survival rates. But let's say I'm being diagnosed with incurable cancer then I have basically options to be cremated or buried. I'm personally not religious enough to think there's anything after that, right? In my mind, that's it. Or I have the chance to be cryopreserved, which is basically a technique where at the time of death, you don't do it earlier, right? It's a last ditch effort when the only alternative would be cremation or burial. With a specific procedure, you cool down the body. You don't freeze anything. You cool them down to very, very low temperatures. And at that temperature, you can now maintain the body practically indefinitely. And now if it turns out that the connections in my brain make me me, and the connections in your brain, and it's a bit more complex, of course, but like figuratively speaking, make you you, that part is being kept around. Now it's possible, I can't say it's a guarantee, it's far from a guarantee, but it's possible that in the future, medical technology will advance enough so that you can bring people back from that cryopreservation so that they can then live on at a time when the cancer that killed them in the first place is curable. Just like in the past, we died due to infectious diseases. Now you take antibiotics, right? Just like in the past when your heart stopped in the 1960s, no one did CPR. CPR it has only been around since the 1960s. When the heart stopped, people said, okay, that's it. Now it's medical malpractice. You can bring people back from what people in the past would have called, well, they're dead forever. Just like how we would say right now, once someone is cryopreserved, right, they're dead forever, that might not at some point be the case anymore. So how many people in your experience are cryopreserved at the moment? It's somewhere around 550 worldwide. Really? So it's a very novel topic. It's, you know, you're on the- They're already frozen. They're already, okay, let's call it frozen. Sure, for argument's sake, of course, I can fight against that, but right, for, right. for, for, let, for let's, let's, it's let's, much easier to say. Probably. Okay, so 500 people, they're already cryopreserved. And where are their bodies, for example? Where, where are they storing the bodies? Do usually, we usually at non-profit foundations. Okay. So there's a couple in the US, there's one in China, there's one in, in Australia now, um, there's one, mine is in, ours is in Switzerland, okay. so at one of, these, one of these foundations. So these foundations are storage places for bodies more or less kind of they're research institutes but okay. they also then have just like you can store cells in cryopreservation right and in, 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 you, you can store technically whole bodies just you know the capsules are a bit larger okay so you can technically store whole bodies but also you can store the brain for example of someone at only some brains not everywhere but at some you can yeah okay so you can choose let's say 
yeah. what you want to store. Yeah. So let's say, let's take this example. I'm 39 right now. I feel fit. I am healthy. <laughs> and I, but let's say I'm tired of, you know, being in this mm -hmm. reality. And next year I say, okay, whatever, ciao. I want to go, I want to cryopreserve my body. Can I do that already? Strongly advise against it. Okay, why? Well, so um, there's multiple reasons. First of all, there's a lot of ethical reasons and, and moral reasons. And to be fair, I think this in the end is your choice and not anybody else's. Mm -hmm. um, from a medical perspective, though, if you want to have a good cryopreservation, cryopreservation is still an active research topic, right? So I would definitely not advise anybody does that now because they just want to, right? I but yet there are 500 people. No, but they've not done that because they just wanted to do it. They've done that because they're, they, they died. Right? Okay. So they had a, some terminal disease um, and they died of that terminal disease. And then instead of being cremated or buried, they decided to be cryopreserved instead. Okay, I see. So it should not be, I, I don't think this should be a choice. I don't think the technology is yet good enough to just say I'm doing this. In fact, it's far from good enough to do that. Okay. I think it's only, it's, it's morally, and at least in my mind, acceptable if you do it at the time when the alternative is cremation or burial. And arguably, if you want to be around in the future, that alternative would be worse. So the alternative is cremation or getting buried, yeah. being buried. In most countries it is. There might be some other alternatives, but in most countries, these are the two options. Is it illegal in most of the countries, cryopreservation? Or is it illegal in most countries? Legal. Yeah. As a research. So, so cryopreservation is basically you donate your body to research. Just like you can donate your body to a medical university for ah, you know, educating okay. doctors and so on, right? It's not a form of burial, mm. right? It's a form of research where you donate your body to a scientific institute. And cryopreservation is, depending on the country, either it's research or it's an experimental um, try, kind of would be the direct translation. Um, it is not a form of burial. Okay, so take me through the process. I, sure. Let's say I'm 80, I'm, I'm already on my way out. Mm -hmm. uh, I can feel it. I sure. <laughs> so I say, okay, you know what? I want to be cryopreserved. I don't want the other two options. Mm -hmm. I want to be cryopreserved because I have the hope that in 500 years from now, I'm going to be waking up and live my life right. as it was before. What's the process? What do I have to do? Right. So let's say someone comes to us and has that, has that story. We would now like first try to make sure that the person really understands what they're signing up for. Right. So as, as a doctor, not only as a doctor, but in general, I think informed consent is highly important for it. Right. So for you to sign up, it's very important that you understand. We don't know if it's going to work. We don't know when it's going to work and so on and so on. So there's a lot of red tape around it, right? But if you still say, hey, listen, yes, I understand. I still want to do it, right? Um, then you would sign up. You basically sign a contract that says, I, if I die, if I'm pronounced by a doctor, I donate my body to a medical, to, to, this, top, to this research topic, right? And then at the time of death, right, you or the doctors would tell us, let's say you have, now, now you're really dying in a hospital, right? The doctors tell us that, you might die in the next couple of days. Mm. We send one of our medical teams to the hospital. The, ho the team would now wait in front of the hospital. And then the second you're pronounced, basically what happens, right? When the heart stops, the rest of the body is not supplied with oxygen anymore. And then gradually, the cells start dying, right? It's, it's not like a one-zero thing, right? When you're being pronounced, right? Um, if, if you do it relatively uh, quickly after circulatory rest, after the heart stops, right? And the cells start dying slowly. How slowly or how, fa how fast? Well, so it depends on the technology, right? And it depends on technology and how cool you are. So how cool if, if someone, if so one of our hearts hopefully doesn't happen, but stops now, yeah. right? Then <laughs> how much time do we have? Minutes, 
minutes. Like, okay, so five minutes, maybe four minutes. Like, I think there have been some cases with seven, six and seven minutes. After that, you have with current technology, mm -hmm. irreparable uh, brain damage in most cases. Okay. You can't bring people back, right? There have been cases where people were cooled. So one typical case is when children go ice skating on the, in the winter and fall into the water. There have been a case from a doctor in Sweden, I think, that died during this, well, not died technically, because she's still alive, but had a heart, heart stopped, um, and then she fell into a small river, right, in, in ice water. She was resuscitated after 40 minutes, right? And the, the trick is cooling, right? Basically, why the cells die, because the cells need oxygen to do metabolism, right? If you cool, the metabolic rate goes down, so the cells need less oxygen, so they start these, actually, cell death is not, it's, it's partly a passive process, but it's also an active process. So it's basically, it's kind of a self-recycling process. Every individual cell says, I don't have enough oxygen, I should start self-recycling. What do you mean with that? So, so basically cells, you know, cells die all day long, right? Okay. And since the body doesn't want to have like dead cells lying around, it basically self-recycles them. I mean, of course, we're making this very simple, but self-recycles, right? And one of the trigger of self-recycling is not having enough oxygen. Mm. So, but you mean the self-recycling, self-recycling would be a cell that destroys itself. Destroy itself. Basically, yeah. Okay, because the other cells are also lacking oxygen. Yeah, yeah. So every cell starts at, if, you, if your heart stops, every cell starts at the same time. But if okay. you cool, you, you slow this process. Okay. Right? And if you cool further, then you can stop this process. Mm. Now, if you fall into an ice river, you might have 40 minutes, right? Mm. What we do, we start cooling and we give cardiopulmonary support. So we do what you would do in CPI. You, we supply the body with oxygen, right? We give oxygen, we do chest compressions, mm. we give medication and so on to basically expand this time where, yes, there might be some processes going on, mm. but they have not advanced enough so that they're arguably not recoverable. Mm. But how do you, sorry to interrupt, but how do you cool your butt? How do you cool the body? Because you said that that's part of the process. Yeah, there are multiple ways. So just like in the ice river, right? Yeah. You flow ice water around the body. Okay, so is there, there's a bathtub with ice and you yeah, put the, basically. the body there, basically, more or less. Basically, yeah. We have mobile operating rooms that are basically ambulances that have operation tables, and these operation tables have walls, so you can have ice water flowing around. You can do you can do uh, what is called peritoneal lavage, so you use basically the space in the in the in the abdomen mm. to flow cold water mm. through the through the abdomen, right? Mm. Um, and so this is how we initially cool. Mm. And then to really cool fast, um, you put the person on a bypass, just like you would in an OR, right? Like on a cardiopulmonary bypass, where you basically use the circulatory system to flow cool fluids through the whole body. And this cooling then is very, very fast. So is the blood coming out at the yeah. same time? And you replace all the blood. So you take out the blood and you put inside some cooling Now substance. it might be the question be where, where will the blood in the future come from, right? But okay. Synthetic That's blood a good question, really... actually. I didn't think about that. The, the answer that... I mean, you can do blood transfusions right now, right? Okay. Like blood transfusions, synthetic blood is probably not that far away. So okay. blood is, blood is uh, luckily a very easy thing to replace. Mm. The blood is being taken out. It's being placed against these fluids, initially for cooling, mm. and then against so-called cryoprotective agents. That's why we don't do freezing. Of course, you don't want ice crystals, right? Everybody who ever put a strawberry in a freezer and took it out, right? The strawberry doesn't survive freezing well. It's like, it's mush. Right, because um, the cellular structure of that strawberry is destroyed by the ice, by the ice crystals. The ice crystals are sharp and so on. So you don't want ice crystals. So 
we basically give a fluid. We replace not only the blood, but the whole water in the body mm. against a fluid that you can cool to extremely low temperatures. In our case, at the end, at negative 196 degrees Celsius. Negative 196. 196. So 100, around 200 degrees below freezing. Oh, sorry, 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 because now I'm, I'm thinking, where do you preserve this fluid? Where, what kind of storage? Where do you store this fluid? Because it, it needs to be... Yeah, at, so, at so they're so-called doers, like these fluid that's very... Or the, well, these bodies, including the, with that fluid, right? Um, or do you mean the fluid that goes into the body? That goes into your body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the fluid into the body just stays in the body. Okay. So you, you basically... Replace all the water against that cryoprotective agent, mm. and now you can. Now there's no water anymore. Now you can cool down without ice crystals forming. Okay. Yeah. And the ice crystals are not good because they would penetrate the yeah. tissue. One of the reasons it's the mo yeah that's one of the reasons why you don't want ice crystals forming. They're just sharp. They basically they, they puncture cells and they puncture you know li literally just physical that there's other types of damage, but. The puncture so that's why basically technically is not really freezing your body. Yeah, otherwise... that's why always you know whenever I when the, the you know the newspaper the articles always have like an ice cube and then there's a brainless ice cube. <laughs> and then we ask if maybe we can change that picture and then like I didn't even pick that picture. The editor did. We can't change it. Yeah, and I understand it to a degree, of course, because like it's very it's easy to understand right. with a picture like that. I'm only arguing because we do everything to not have that happen. Mm. It's not like it's like slightly incorrect. Everything we do is to not do that, right? So right. I usually lose these discussions. Okay, so so let's go back to the process. You, let's say I'm 80. I'm I'm going. I'm on, I'm on my way out. Yeah. Like I said, um, I know that's happening. I alert you guys. You're on alert, mm -hmm. um, and it's my day. It's coming. Mm -hmm. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. You have five minutes, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. You apply the substance, the the, the, the anti-freezing, not the, yeah. the super cold. It's, substance. it's a medical anti-freeze. And then what happens? So after that, right, now you're first, now now we have time. Now we can cool down to around negative 80 degrees. Okay. While we do this, we drive to, in our case, to our research institute in Switzerland. It's okay. run by this nonprofit foundation. And there you would cool down very, 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 very slowly from negative 80. Well, from negative one, basically you cool fast to negative 80, then you cool fast to negative 130. And from negative 130 to negative 196, you cool very, very, very slowly, um, over around 100 hours. And why is that? Uh, it's 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 a detail, but um, so I mean we're, we're getting a bit technical now. So let's do it. And if someone has questions, <laughs> we can dig. We can dig much let's deeper. Do it. Let's do so it. at negative 30, 130 degrees, yeah. you go to what is called the glass transition temperature. Okay. Basically, this fluid and the body now make goes kind of a state change from well, kind of fluidy and flexible mm. to a glass-like structure. So basically okay. it becomes a glass-like structure. Okay. And now the glass-like structure is kind of a solid. Now if you would cool fast, parts of the outside would cool faster than the inside, for example. And since it's mm. a solid, you generate thermal stress. Mm. Just because like parts, like the outside like shrinks a bit, right? Mm. And you have thermal stress because it's a solid. It doesn't, cannot release that pressure. Mm. Now, and of course, now this pressure needs to release, so you can have this, you can have fracturing. Mm. Basically similar, if you think of ice cubes, sometimes you have ice cubes that have these fractures in them. Mm. This is basically these types of fractures would happen. Mm. So you want to very, cool very, very slowly, so you give enough time to release the pressure. Okay. Um, and there's other techniques you can do as well, but by and large, that's it, why you do it very slowly. And then once you've reached negative 196, you basically put the patient into a, a large capsule not as picturesque as you might remember them from the science fiction movies, 
Also es ist basically eine large stainless steel, 3 meter high, 1 meter in diameter um, capsule, where these patients are now in liquid nitrogen. Mm -hmm. So a, a fluid that is naturally at the temperature of one, negative 196. So you just need to, you don't need electricity or anything, you just fill new liquid nitrogen into it. And now at that stage, there's no more degradation, there's no more damage, there's no more nothing. Mm. And now arguably you just wait it out, right? Mm. If it takes 50 years, it takes 50 years. If it takes 100 years, so be it. If it takes more, okay. So wait 50 years for what? Until medical technology has advanced enough to do three things. To A, let's say you died of cancer. So the cancer of course needs to be cured, right? So you need to cure the underlying disease that led to the person's death in the first place. B, you need to be able to reverse the cryopreservation procedure and see. We are not there yet. We, we cannot, no, we cannot do it. You can do that with like small animals. You can do that. That's what I'm saying. It's just a chance. I can't tell you how high the chance right, is. Right. I'm pretty confident it's better than cremation. But how much better? I don't know. Um, and if I say that, I have some researchers in the US, they're always like, why are you so negative? We have these great, like it's pretty good. Under good cryopreservation con conditions, Based on what we understand, where memories come from, where identity comes from, and of course we don't fully understand it, but right. as much as we understand, all of that is still there mm. under good cryopreservation conditions. Um, now, sorry, basically, you wait on. Is that the reason why some people only preserve their brain, for example? Well, the idea is that the rest of the body is technically, you know, we're not that far away from organ 3D printing, probably. Mm -hmm. When I say not that far, I don't mean next year. Right. But probably um, it's going to take less time than bringing someone back from cryopreservation. Right. So the idea here is, um, so I would always advocate for whole body because you don't know. Like, like who knows? Right? Just, just so you guys know, there are two options, preserving your brain or preserving the whole body. Right. And there's some people yeah. smiling and stuff. It's, it's a bit... It's a bit so so whenever, I start, whenever I start using this talk, I start this with two slides. And one slide says, there was a time when we didn't fly to America. And when we, when we would have asked people, can we ever fly to America in the 1500s? They would have said, first of all, they would have said, America? What? And then B, they would have said, I don't know, crazy, right? Yeah. The second slide is, to go a bit like more recent, right? If you would have told doctors that we do heart transplantations in the 1950s, taking one heart and putting it into another human, at first hearing it, at first principle, that sounds pretty weird, right? Now it's standard practice. No one wants to miss it, right? So I think there's always a strong, if you talk about topics that are a bit in the future or a bit further in the future, there's always a, a strong bias of first saying, hey, this sounds very out there. Super but weird. so was flying, right? Mobiles, like even when I was young, right? Mobiles was, were in the thing, even at all, right? And now everybody has more computational power in their pocket than probably the whole city had back then. So like progress is, is really, really, really difficult to predict. So I think it's almost impossible to say what will be possible in 100 years. And so I, I always think about these topics. If I'm not aware of something that is not possible in principle, mm. and for cryopreservation, I'm not aware any, of anything that where it's not possible in principle. If the alternative is cremation again, I might as well try it. When you talk about like futuristic ideas, tech futuristic technology, some people maybe even like make fun of it. I guess one of the main challenges, and maybe you correct me if I'm not right, is funding. Maybe getting funding from investors, you probably need a lot of money to like do a lot of research. But also, uh, maybe another challenge is from a medical perspective, from a technical perspective, stuff that maybe you don't even think about because you're not there yet. 
I want to know from your side, what are the main, those main technical, mechanical, or medical challenges that right now you're having and that you would like to solve during your lifetime? Yeah. So, so that's, that's a long list, mm. right? So um, usually in biology, there's always a long list. It's not like this one thing that is really problematic. If, in fact, in cryopreservation, if you would be able to cool much faster and warm much faster, which is just physically not possible, right? So if you warm something large and the outside warms, the inside is still ice, so I had hot pocket problem in the microwave or putting something in the microwave like has exactly that problem. So um, if you would be able to do that, a lot of problems would go away. But by and large, it's, it's like you can't cool fast enough. There's still some amount of ice formation, right? You don't know how you're gonna warm up fast enough. These cryoprotective agents, they're a bit toxic, so you wanna reduce toxicity and so on and so on. That's a very, very long list. So I think about this in the following way. I have like statistically speaking about 50 years left if nothing fundamental changes, right? Mm. So I just want to make it as good as possible. First low-hanging fruits, then more complex stuff. Um, yeah, so, so again, like as many of these problems as possible to either solve them or at least find significantly better answers. Mm. Why is uh, cryopreserving or cooling the, the body faster a problem why why is that a problem still yeah so so ice crystal formation it's it's ice crystal formation is is a is a really complex process basically in short if you cool fast you outrun the ice crystal formation so there's something which is called the crit critical cooling rate if you cool faster than that let's say you cool faster than one degree per minute right down then you don't get ice crystal formation mm. so ice crystal formation is a is a yeah it's a complex process and you can outrun it mm. same if you warm up you also get ice crystal formation during warming up. Because you need to remember, right, we're warming up from negative 196, so let's say we warm up to negative 100, we're still under zero degrees, right, so we still get ice crystal formation. So there's something called the critical warming rate, so you also want to warm up very fast. Mm. But physically, warming and cooling something, large volumes very fast, is physics. It's a physics problem, basically. It's very difficult. But if you would be able to do that, you wouldn't have problems with ice crystal formation, for example. Okay, so ice crystals is one of the main... It's one of the main problems, absolutely. Okay. And when you, like you personally, I believe you, you want to freeze yourself? I don't want to. Like, so, um, no, but, but that's like the, I'd much the choice, rather, let's say. Yes, so, so I, I definitely don't want to, right? I'd much rather, you know, let, let's say future medicine is very powerful and just take treatment A, B, C, do, take, take some pills and just live longer, right? That's the much better option. But biology is very hard, and so I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. So... So if the, if the choices, what I said many times, if the choices, I know I'm going to die and I can choose between cremation or burial or I can do cryopreservation, I definitely don't want to do cryopreservation, right? Because the alternative is worse. What, what are the values if someone wants to be cryopreserved, for example? Just, you know, some numbers, just so people know. Yeah, it's unfortunately it's still very, very expensive because very, very few people do it, right? And it's not only... So, so if you do whole body cryopreservation, Switzerland, of course, is unfortunately also expensive um, with storage in Switzerland. It's currently somewhere in the vicinity of 200,000 euros. Per year? No, one time. One time. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, reason, the reason why it's so expensive or so cheap is because um, you need to put around, around 120,000 euros aside. No one gets that, right? And that money is now invested with around 1% to 3% above inflation in return. Mm. And then maintenance of cryopreservation is just paid from that return. Because I can't say it's, if it's going to take 10 years, 20 years, it's not going to be 10. If it's 50 years or 100 years or much longer, so you need to be able to maintain cryopreservation mm. indefinitely. Mm. So that's why you need to put a lot of money aside. 
one of our goals is to make it significantly more affordable, mm. right? Because I, I don't like, the, the only reason why we offer brain preservation is not because I think brain preservation is embedded. Mm. I don't like that some people can't afford it, mm. right? Um, 200,000 euros, if you if you look at population, a good amount of people just, even if they want to, even if they would put all their money at the end of their life, they would not be able to afford it. And, and that is, in my mind, just like it's not okay in medicine, it's not okay in cryopreservation. So, um, but it's going to take time until the cost comes down, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But for now, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a relevant cost. And how, how do you think the cost will come down? So there's basically three parts of what cryopreservation, cryopreservation is expensive, right? One is medical teams, right? Having medical teams that do the procedure. The second one is liquid nitrogen. You need to fill these duas, like basically liquid nitrogen boils off, right? And then you need to refill it. And then see it's like building these buildings and having some personnel and so on. Mm -hmm. So if you build larger volumes with liquid nitrogen, then the, the, the ratio between surface area and volume, you have less boil off. Um, of course, if you have one person, they can maintain one doer, but they can also maintain 50 doers, right? So mm. that scales well. Mm. And last but not least, we now have one medical team here in Berlin. We have one in Zurich. We're actually building one. We have one in Amsterdam. We're building one in the US and so on. Um, but we have one team for, I don't know, in Berlin, we have maybe, I don't know, 50 members, right? Mm. But we just would also need one team if we have a thousand members in Berlin, right? Mm. So all the cost scales quite well. Mm. Um, so the cost can come down significantly if significantly more people do it. So when you say you have a team in Berlin mm -hmm. that is ready to jump in to cryopreserve the members of Berlin, is that the case? So if someone is a member of Biostasis yeah. tomorrow um, and they have an accident, these guys are ready to jump in and yeah. start with the procedure? Kind of. Accidents are not great, right? So we cannot pick people up from the street, right? Okay. It would, would mean to go through the hospital, right? <laughs> so, um, not yet. Um, yeah, well, yeah, not yet, yes. Um, but luckily, most people die don't die due to accidents, right? Most right. people, unfortunately or fortunately for cryopreservation, know that they're going to die soon-ish, mm. right? Heart disease, you know, I don't know, cancer and so on and so on. Mm. Is there a, like a, an ideal age where you kind of have to take that decision? No, as old as possible. At all, as old as possible? I mean... Not as I thought you were going to say as young as possible. No, because so so every additional so so you, of course you might argue that you know rather like core preserving a younger body is somehow better, right? Like mm. I don't know for whatever. And to be fair, medically speaking, it is. But every additional year you gain, the improvement in technology probably is more important than the additional year that you have in age, right? So wait as long as possible, live as healthy as possible. Hopefully, you're making the cut, and there's just going to be some treatment pill. I don't think it's going to be the case. And if anybody wants to bet, I'm taking a lot of bets there. Do it the last possible time, if you, of course, so want to. I want to pick your brain here, and I want to imagine a case when you're cryopreserved, and 500 years from now, you wake up. Do you think you're going to be looked at as a king or as a weird person from the past? Are you going to be like, that would between these two. It's <laughs> Have you ever thought about it? Yeah, sure. Like so. So, so I think there's a couple of arguments, right? So, um, um, so, so it's not going to be king or weird person, right? It's going to be somewhere in the middle, right? Middle meaning like they will be like, okay, cool. Like, like I mean, just like, let's say we would find someone now from, let's say, 200 years ago, and we would be able to uncryopreserve them, bring them back, right? Mm. It wouldn't be a king. It wouldn't be a weird person. It would be like, okay, cool. There's like, I don't know, like, like somewhere in the middle, normal. Um, but I mean, if I, if, I, if I would wake up someone today from the sure. year, you know, 
what around 1850 that would be very interesting like, yeah the first some people would find it weird as well yeah the first time around but okay. once you've brought a few people back it would be like okay sure now we can do that all right yeah you know we were talking before earlier when we met about maybe this idea or this concept that scientists in cryopreservation in the field of cryopreservation may be sometimes and you correct me if i'm wrong inspired by nature because we you find species in nature where they actually do a process that is quite similar yep can you tell us a bit more about this and maybe some examples of some species that yeah. you know do this to preserve themselves yeah so it's it's kind of a spectrum right where on, on one end you have hibernation right why do you know hibernation because in winter there's not enough food right so they reduce their metabolic rate and of course they don't reduce it to zero but they reduce it to zero to use less oxygen less food less water right then going one step further towards cryopreservation, preservation you have like this like this there are these frogs called tree frogs right that can basically freeze themselves they can go down for all intents and purposes they can do something akin to cryopreservation where they basically they, they produce a, a solution a, a compound that is very like a cryopreservation agent where they can freeze to minus 20 degrees you can put them in a freezer and they survive it right um, they can't go to cryogenic temperatures so they would not be able to go to negative 196 so there's still a bit of a difference cryogenic uh, temperature is what um, anything under 130 about Okay, yeah. but what so they can go there. They can go that, that low. Yeah, they can go to minus twenty, but they can't go much lower. Right? Mm. Um, but it's the same procedure. You reduce the metabolic rate. They do it, of course, in winter when again there's not enough food and so on and so on. Um, and they do it quite well because they have this cryoprotective agent, so mm. nothing freezes. And then you go further down, and of course, on the other end, you have then cryopreservation, how we do it, right? So this, this is this is a technique that does exist in nature at least very, very similarly. I find that super interesting because, you know, before understanding a bit of this topic, I didn't even like think that some species or some animals would, or maybe even didn't go through my head that some species, that this is already happening right. in nature. And that's super interesting. I mean, it's not weird actually for living beings in a way, you know, it's just that we don't know about it. Right. I think education maybe or awareness of this possibility is also a, a problem. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. What What happens when you know you, you encounter this kind of problem of awareness? What do you have? What do you do? What's your as a company? What's your objective? What, how do you want to change this? So, so our objective is is um, so. So I, I don't think crowd preservation should be marketed too much. Why because, because, so if you come from this concept of informed consent, marketing kind of um, implies, you know, <laughs> just making someone do something as quick as possible, right? Mm. Um, clicking buy as quick as possible. Whereas cryopreservation um, and, and, and medical decisions, I think, should be made with informed consent. Okay. Right? Meaning, you know the pros and the cons, and you know the downsides, and you know the upsides, and you weigh these two, and then you, you make your personal decision based on your value system, mm. right? Just like when a doctor wants to operate or suggests an operation, right? Patients and doctors sit together and you, you fill one of these forms and it's all the downsides and you need to know the downsides. Of course, the doctors don't do it enough as they should because they don't have time or don't, don't really care. But technically, you should know what are the downsides, what are the alternatives and so on, right? And, and cryopreservation, in my mind, should be similar where, where people, after weighing the ups and the pros and cons, make an informed decision for themselves. Mm. So... From an from a outreach perspective, what, what we do in that regard is trying to provide information, right? Giving, giving, um, giving people the tools and the information and the knowledge 
to make that informed decision. So that's kind of how we work. So, so interviews like that, like yeah. you know, giving, I don't know, we do webinars, we do like open houses and whatever we can do. Of course, we also have content online and so on and so on yeah. to, to give people, um, to inform people about the option. Because yeah. of course, a lot of people either didn't know that this is an option or they know about the concept and don't know this is reality and this, you can actually you know, sign a contract and do it. <laughs> right and then again a lot of people might have heard about it like i don't know it's somewhere online and but they've never really thought about it as a tangible thing so do you get a lot of pushback sometimes from some sort of circles of society or no. not really much less than i thought really yes so people are generally interested no they, they either either they're saying hey cool but not for me mm. i would never do it but just totally fine or they're interested or they're really like interested in regards to just as as, as a it's an interesting topic or some people say, oh, it's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I want to do it. I need to think about it. Right? I wonder how many people here would actually freeze themselves. <laughs> but, um, oh, there you go. Yeah, two. More than right. average. More than population. More than average. Okay. okay. Not everything, but population. I mean, this is not an average crowd, right? It's Berlin and so on. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I know, I know the crowd also has some people that are into spirituality and maybe meditation and awareness and in cryo um no here oh here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. not in crowd research no, probably as well yeah. yeah okay so i know that you know the crowd has this kind of yeah, people sure. that are you know practice meditation yeah. every day spirituality maybe there's even some more religious people and when you talk about cryo preservation you're actually kind of saying let's sort of recycle the body or let's use the body later when the technology is there and I wonder if you, if it ever goes, goes through your mind, if when that happens, do you still keep that soul, that spirit when you wake up? Do you have that same charisma that you had, that you have now? Do you still have that same smile, the same way of, I don't know, maybe seeing life or seeing, you know, being a bit more meta. I'm, I'm trying to be a bit yeah. more meta here. I try to understand what you, if you ever, you know, thought about this. Yeah, of course. Like, so for all intents and purposes, I mean, I personally, of course, soul, you need to tell me what that is so that then I can answer, right? But um, so for all intents and purposes, you are you. There's no, there's no subjective. If there's a difference, cryo preservation was not worth it. Then like if there's something like a soul, something metaphysical that we can't explain, then cryo preservation will not work, right? Because then that is an important part that is metaphysical by definition, because so far at least we don't have any scientific proof that this is there, right? So cryo preservation currently primarily operates under the assumption that consciousness, memory, not memories, but consciousness and all of that is an emerging quality from our connections in the brain, right? And if long, as long as these are around, you're around. And now if you wake up, you would, for, all, for everything that we can say today, what makes me, me and you, you and anybody, someone, right? That, that entity, that subject would be around. With all their memories, with all their identity, with all their personality, with all their subjective emotions and so on. Okay, so you, you would wake up the same. You would wake up and say, ah, I remember, great that I did this choice. I remember when I was dying in the hospital. Um, and now I'm in the whatever positive future. Yeah, That's, that's a bit strange in a way. Oh yeah, no? absolutely, sure, yeah. That's a bit, but it's a bit... not fundamentally different than someone waking up from an experience perspective, someone waking up from a coma after 10 years. But you could think that, um, you know, the you know, alternative view to that could be you wake up being someone else because somehow something happened that science and medicine doesn't know about yet at this point. Absolutely. So there, of course, there are unknown unknowns, right? So there might be stuff that, that we currently don't know, 
right? I like the likelihood of you being someone else. I think is it's 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 very unlikely. At least if you don't mean someone else, like let's say you have a car crash, right? Mm. And you you lose, let's say, last month of your memories. Technically, you're now someone else. But we in society, of course, would not say that person is someone else right now. We would say it's the same person, but they lost their memory for the last month, mm. right? So that type of someone else might happen. In a more metaphysical sense, someone really else, I, I, I see no reason why this would be the case. I think it's rather either it doesn't work or it works and you're the same person. Okay. I don't think there's the third option where you wake up and somehow you're someone else or your soul is not there, whatever. I think this option practically, I, have, I, I don't see, well, I, I can never say never, right? So again, right. we don't know everything. So there might, there might be an off chance that this is the case, but I have, would have no, based on my current understanding of how stuff works, I would have no reason to believe that this third option is a relevant risk. When you look at this world of synthetic biology and the future of life and maybe longevity, living longer, and this sort of like, I see, at least in my experience, I've interviewed people also that, you know, create pill bots that you mm -hmm. can like swallow and look at your interior of your body through your phone almost and maybe even mini robots that travel through your brain and cut here and there like in a sort of like in a small surgery right. so that's the idea right that's not there yet but um, there's a lot of people working towards that when you look at this world and you kind of realize that the machine slash human connection is getting or the the frontier the the border is kind of getting blurrier it's kind of I think at some point, imagine where you cannot really tell if it's, you know, a human, a robot or a humanoid, a mix of both. Yeah. So if we, if we get there and it gets so blurry, it gets so weird in a way that you can basically, or maybe some, for some people it's cool. I personally think it's, it's a pretty cool scenario, but if you can monitor your interior, let's say with your phone mm -hmm. and you can you know, also control what happens inside of your body. Let's say you're missing some zinc or some magnesium and you just mm -hmm. click on it and you get a shot yep. <laughs> and then you feel much better. Uh, and you can do that on a real time basis. If we live in a culture like that, where we have more control, we can manipulate more of the body. Do you think ideas like biostasis would be more accepted? If we are there in that kind of culture, in that kind of environment where people are more used to sort of being able to manipulate your body as opposed to seeing the body as something untouchable because yes. culture have taught us that the body is sacred and the body is perfect and sure. absolutely we're not gods to touch it, to manipulate it in a way. Um, yeah, absolutely, sure. Like, um, but I think this is just a continuous process, right? I mean, everything we do is like, like sometimes I have this question, like, isn't it against nature? And I was like, okay, heart transplantations, I don't see any heart transplantations in nature. Neither do I see glasses in nature. So, so um, I think there's like I think there's always an easy way of making arbitrary, arbitrary like thresholds where everything that we kind of often do is like sure that's normal, and everything that goes beyond that is okay. It's against nature. And then the the Overton window switch shifts a bit, and now suddenly we do more new things, and then suddenly it's like okay sure now now this part is not against nature anymore. Now it's normal, right? So I think these lines are pretty much arbitrary, um, and we as society just need to decide um, if there's any societal downside to someone doing something and otherwise at least in my moral framework i think um, personal choice should be pr valued pretty highly 
And um, if someone wants to be cryopreserved or do something else or click the button to get more magnesium, hey, all the power to go oh, for it. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's no downside, um, then like... Do you think you're too early? Do you think you're too early with this idea? Um, in terms of, I understand that in your circle, you have a lot of people maybe working on it or thinking that the idea is great or, you know, pushing, pushing you. For me, I'm too late. You should have started like 10 years ago. <laughs> um, no, I don't. no, I mean too early in terms of having sort of like a more massive. Yeah, of course. So, so if I would do this 20 years from now, I would probably have more people interested in it, right? But then again, too early kind of, like too early I think only works if there's a limited, I'm going to do this till the end, till I die, right? And then be kind of preserved. Right. Um, um, so so I, don't, I don't think, like for me, too early doesn't really exist because too early kind of, for my last startups, that there was always too early, right? Because you do it and if it doesn't work, you shut it down, right? This I don't care. I tell our investors, like, you know, if I'm sitting around here with three people in five years, it's not my plan, mm. but so be it. I'm not going to do something else due to this, right? So I, I don't, I never think about the too early or too late or whatever, um, um, like kind of like what you would maybe normally, normally innovative companies think about. Yeah. So you don't care if this basically doesn't work and... Uh, no, I care very much if it works, but um, I, I don't care about what the rest of, if, if there's like market demand. Okay. Right. I would, I would try. So you don't see this like a, like, let's say like a typical, obviously it's not a typical company, but yeah, you don't, you don't want to even. No, I'm not that. selling it. I'm not like, it's a, it's a, it's a mission driven thing. It's not even like parts of it are non-profit, right? Mm. Most all the long storage, long-term storage is non-profit, mm. right? It's a, so it's the, a, the, the company in Switzerland, not the yeah, foundation in Switzerland. The foundation in Switzerland, yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a mission driven, it's a mission. It's not, it's not a, it's, it, sure it's a company, but it's not, it's not a business, even though of course there are business parts and so on, but, um, I'm not doing that to make money with it. Do you think you, do you convince someone here to cryopreserve themselves? Should we ask? Uh, usually there's like one. No, <laughs> that, like, At least one. Like again, I'm not there to convince anybody. Right. So I, I'm there. No, I, know, I know that's not your objective, right. but with you explaining what it is and how it works, et cetera, maybe someone got convinced. So, so my, my, my goal or my like, success would be if one of, of some people would say, no, huh, I should think about this. Okay. So is, is anyone, now we can open up, I think, for questions, if anyone has questions. But also I want to know if someone would actually consider cryopreserving themselves. We have one here, two, three, four, five. Wow. Now, you can do it now if you want. <laughs> here at the Mr. Rad Show, we provide first-hand information straight from the original source of knowledge. The personal opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect those of Mr. Rat. This show is brought to you by The Rat House, an unbiased, transparent, agendaless, independent media house. Our theme music is written and produced by Marco Mello.